0: Book 5, Chapter 3 of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book 5, Chapter 3-Various Confabulations. Mr. Tyrold saw at first the renewed visits of Edgar at Cleves with extreme satisfaction but while all his hopes were alive from an intercourse almost perpetual he perceived with surprise and perplexity that his daughter became more and more pensive after each interview and as Edgar this evening quitted the house he observed tears start into her eyes as she went upstairs to her own room alarmed and disappointed He thought it now high time to investigate the state of the affair, and to encourage or prevent future meetings as appeared to him to be propitious or hopeless. Penetrated with the goodness while lamenting the indifference of Edgar, Camilla had just reached her room, when, as she turned round to shut the door, Mr. Tyrold appeared before her. Hastily, with the back of her hand brushing off the tears from her eyes, she said, "'May I go to my uncle, sir?' can my uncle admit me he can always admit you he answered but just now you must forget him a moment and consign yourself to your father he then entered shut the door and making her sit down by him said what is the sorrow that assails my Camilla why is the light heart of my dear and happy child thus dejected speech and truth were always one with Camilla who as she could not in this instance declare what were her feelings remained mute and confounded hesitate not my dear girl cried he kindly to unbosom your griefs or your apprehensions where they will be received with all the tenderness due to such a confidence and held sacred from every human inspection unless you permit me yourself to entrust your best and wisest friend camilla now trembled but could not even attempt to speak he saw her disorder, and presently added, I will forbear to probe your feelings when you have satisfied me in one doubt. Is the sadness I have of late remarked in you the effect of a secret personal disturbance, or of disappointed expectation? Camilla could neither answer nor look up. She was convinced by this question that the subject of her melancholy was understood, and felt wholly overcome by the deeply distressing confusion with which wounded pride and unaffected virgin modesty impress a youthful female in the idea of being suspected of a misplaced or unrequited partiality. Her silence, a suffocating sigh, and her earnest endeavor to hide her face easily explained to Mr. Tyrold all that passed within, and respecting rather than wishing to conquer a shame flowing from fearful delicacy I will spare you, he said, all investigation whatever. Could I be certain you are not called into any action? But in that case I know not that I can justify to myself so implicit a confidence in youth and inexperience so untried in difficulties, so unused to evil or embarrassment as yours. Tell me then, my dear Camilla, do you sigh under the weight of any disingenuous conduct? Or do you suffer from some suspense which you have no means of terminating?' Oh, my dear father, no, cried she, sinking upon his breast. I have no suspense. She gasped for breath. And how has it been removed, my child, said Mr. Tyrold in a mournful tone. Has any deception, any ungenerous art? Oh, no, no, he is incapable, he is superior, he... She stopped abruptly, shocked at the avowal these few words at once inferred of her partiality, of its hopelessness, and of its object. She walked confused to a corner of the room, and, leaning against the wainscot, enveloped her face in her handkerchief with the most painful sensations of shame. Mr. Tyrold remained in deep meditation. Her regard for Edgar he had already considered as undoubted and her undisguised acknowledgment excited his tenderest sympathy. But to find she thought it without return and without hope penetrated him with grief. Not only his fond view of the attractions of his daughter, but all he had observed, even from his childhood in Edgar, had induced him to believe she was irresistibly formed to captivate him. And what had lately passed had seemed a confirmation of all he had expected. Camilla, nevertheless, exculpated him from all blame, and while touched by her artlessness and honoring her truth, he felt at least some consolation to find that Edgar, whom he loved as a son, was untainted by deceit, unaccused of any evil. He concluded that some unfortunate secret entanglement, or some mystery not yet to be developed, directed compulsatorily his conduct, and checked the dictates of his taste and inclination gently at length approaching her my dearest child he said I will ask you nothing further all that is absolutely essential for me to know I have gathered you will never I am certain forget the noble mother whom you are bound to revere in imitating nor the affectionate father whom your ingenuousness renders the most indulgent of your friends dry up your tears then my Camilla and command your best strength to conceal forever their source and most especially from its cause he then embraced and left her yes my dearest father cried she as she shut the door most perfect and most lenient of human beings yes i will obey your dictates i will hide till i can conquer this weak emotion and no one shall ever know and edgar least of all that a daughter of yours has a feeling she ought to disguise Elevated by the kindness of a father so adored, to deserve his good opinion now included every wish. The least severity would have chilled her confidence, the least reproof would have discouraged all effort to self-conquest. But while his softness had soothed, his approbation had invigorated her, and her feelings received additional energy from the conscious generosity with which she had represented Edgar as blameless. Blameless, however, in her own breast she could not deem him. His looks, his voice, his manner, words that occasionally dropped from him, and meanings yet more expressive, which his eyes or his attentions had taken in charge, all from time to time had told a flattering tale, which though timidity and anxious earnestness had obscured from her perfect comprehension, her hopes and her sympathy had prevented from wholly escaping her yet what internally could she not defend she forgave and acquitting him of all intentional deceit concluded that what he had felt for her he had thought too slight and immaterial to deserve repressing on his own part or notice on hers to continue with him in her present sisterly conduct was all she had to study not doubting but that what as yet was effort would in time become natural strengthened thus in fortitude she descended cheerfully to supper, where Mr. Tyrold, though he saw with pain that her spirits were constrained, felt the fondest satisfaction in the virtue of her exertion. Her night passed in the consolation of self applause My dear father, thought she, will see that I strive to merit his lenity, and that soothing consideration with the honorable friendship of Edgar will be sufficient for the happiness of my future life, in the single and tranquil state in which it will be spent thus comforted she again met the eye of mr tyrold the next day at breakfast in the midst of which repast edgar entered the parlor the tea she was drinking was then rather gulped than sipped yet she maintained an air of unconcern and returned his salutation with apparent composure edgar while addressing to mr tyrold his inquiries concerning sir hugh saw from the window his servant whom he had out galloped thrown with violence from his horse he rushed out of the parlor and the first person to rise with involuntary intent to follow him was Camilla but as she reached the hall door she saw that the man was safe and perceived that her father was the only person who had left the room besides herself ashamed she returned and found the female party collected at the windows hoping to retrieve the error of her eagerness she seated herself at the table, and affected to finish her breakfast. Eugenia told her they had discovered the cause of the accident, which had been owing to a sharp stone that had penetrated into the horse's hoof, and while Edgar was now endeavouring to extract. A general scream just then from the window party, and a cry from Eugenia of, "'Oh, Edgar!' carried her again to the hall door with the swiftness of lightning, calling out, "'Where? What? Oh, good heaven!' Molly Mill, accidentally there before her, said as she approached that the horse had kicked Mr. Mandelbear upon the shoulder. Everything but tenderness and terror was now forgotten by Camilla. She darted forward with unrestrained velocity and would have given in a moment the most transporting amazement to Edgar and herself the deepest shame, but that Mr. Tyrold, who alone had his face that way stopped and led her back into the house, saying, There is no mischief. A bee stung the poor animal at the instant the stone was extracted, and the surprise and pain made it kick, but fortunately without any bad effect. I wish to know how your uncle is; I should be glad you would go and sit with him till I can come.' With these words he left her, and though abashed and overset, she found no sensation so powerful as joy for the safety of Edgar. Still, however, too little at ease for conversing with her uncle, she went straight to her own chamber, and flew involuntarily to a window, whence the first object that met her eyes was her father, who was anxiously looking up. She retreated utterly confounded, and threw herself upon a chair at the other end of the room. Shame now was her only sensation. The indiscretion of her first surprise she knew he must forgive, though she blushed at its recollection. But a solicitude so pertinacious an indulgence so repeated of feelings he had enjoined her to combat how could she hope for his pardon or how obtain her own to have forfeited an approbation so precious she could not go to her uncle she would have remained where she was still summoned to dinner if the housemaid after finding all her other work had not a third time returned to inquire if she might clean her room she then determined to repair to the library where she was certain only to encounter eugenia who would not torment, or Dr. Orkborne, who would not perceive her, but at the bottom of the stairs she was stopped by Miss Margland, who, with a malicious smile, asked if she was going to hold the basin. "'What basin?' cried she, surprised. "'The basin for the surgeon.' "'What surgeon?' replied she, alarmed. "'Mr. Burton, who has come to bleed Miss Mandelbear.' she asked nothing more she felt extremely faint but made her way into the park to avoid further conference here in the most painful suspense dying for information yet shirking whoever could give it to her she remained till she saw the departure of the surgeon she then went round by the back way to the apartment of eugenia who informed her that the contusion though not dangerous was violent and that mr tyrold had insisted upon immediate bleeding The surgeon had assured them that this precaution would prevent any ill consequence, but Sir Hugh, hearing from the servants what had happened, had desired that Edgar would not return home till the next day. The joy of Camilla that nothing was more serious banished all that was disagreeable from her thoughts till she was called back to reflection less consoling by meeting Mr. Tyrold as she was returning to her own room, who, with a gravity unusual desired to speak with her, and preceded her into the chamber. Trembling and filled with shame, she followed, shut the door, and remained at it without daring to look up. My dear Camilla, cried he with earnestness, let me not hope in vain, for that exertion you have promised me, and to which I know you to be fully equal. Risk not, my dear girl, to others those outward marks of sensibility which to common or unfeeling observers seem but the effect of an unbecoming remissness in the self-command which should dignify every female who would do herself honor. I had hoped, in this house at least, you would not have been misunderstood, but I have this moment been undeceived. Miss Margland has just expressed a species of compassion for what she presumes to be the present state of your mind that has given me the severest pain. He stopped, for Camilla looked thunderstruck approaching her then with a look of concern and a voice of tenderness he kindly took her hand and added i do not tell you this in displeasure but to put you upon your guard you will hear from eugenia that we shall not dine alone and from what i have dropped you will gather how little you can hope to escape scrutiny exert yourself to obviate all humiliating surmises and you will amply be repaid by the balm of self-approbation He then kissed her, and quitted the room. She now remained in utter despair. The least idea of disgrace totally broke her spirit, and she sat upon the same spot on which Mr. Tyrold had left her, till the ringing of the second dinner bell. She then gloomily resolved to plead a headache, and not to appear. When a footman tapped at her door to acquaint her everybody was seated at the table, she sent down this excuse. Forming to herself the further determination that the same should suffice for the evening and for the next morning that she might avoid the sight of edgar in presence either of her father or miss margland eugenia with kind alarm came to know what was the matter and informed her that sir hugh had been so much concerned at the accident of edgar that he had insisted upon seeing him and after heartily shaking hands had promised to think no more of past mistakes and disappointments as they had now been cleared up to the county and desired him to take upon his abode at Cleves for a week. Camilla heard this with mixed pleasure and pain. She rejoiced that Edgar should be upon his former terms with her beloved uncle, but how preserve the caution demanded from her for so long a period in the constant sight of her now watchful father and the malicious Miss Margland! She had added to her own difficulties by this present absconding and with severe self-blame resolved to descend to tea but while settling how to act after her sister had left her she was struck with hearing the name of Mandlebert pronounced by mary the housemaid who was talking with molly mill upon the landing-place why it had been spoken she knew not but molly answered "Dear me never mind i'll help you do his room if nanny don't come in time my little mistress would rather do it herself than he should want for anything why it's natural enough said mary for young ladies to like young gentlemen and there's none other comes anayum which i often thinks dull enough for our young misses, and to be certain mr Mandlebert would be as pretty a match for one of em as a body could desire and his man said molly is as pretty a gentleman sort of person to my mind as his master i'm sure i'm as glad as my young lady when they comes to the house oh as to miss Eugenie, said mary i believe in my conscience she likes our cracketed old doctor as well as our young gentleman in christendom "'For they'll shall sit with him, hour by hour, pouring over such a heap of stuff as never was seed, "'reading first one, then to other. God knows what! "'For I believe never nobody heard the like of it before, "'and all the time never did give the old doctor a cross word.' "'She never give nobody a cross word,' interrupted Molly. "'If I was Miss Amanda Bear, I'd sooner have her than any of them, "'for all oh, she's such a niddling little thing.' For certain, said Mary, she's very good, and a deal good she does to all as asks her. But Miss Camilla, for my money, she's all alive and merry, and makes poor master young again to look at her. I wish Miss Lomanderbeer would have her, for I have overheard Miss Marglin telling Miss Linemere she was desperate fond of him, and did all she could to get him. Camilla felt flushed with the deepest resentment, and could scarcely command herself to forbear charging Miss Margland with this persecuting cruelty. Nanny, the under housemaid, maid now just joining them, said that she had been detained to finish altering a curtain for Miss Margland, "'And the cross old frump,' she added, "'is in a worse spite than ever, and she kept abusing that sweet mistle Mandelbert to Miss Linmar all the while, "'till she went down to dinner, and she said she was sure it was Miss Camilla's doings his staying here again, "'for she could come over master for anything, "'and she said she supposed it was to have another catch at the young squire's heart, "'but she hoped he would not be such a fool.' "'I'm sure I wished he would,' cried Molly Mill. "'It was only to spite her. "'She's such a nasty old viper. "'And Miss Camilla's always so good-natured and so affable. "'She'd make him a very agreeable wife, I dare say.' "'And she's mortal fond of him, that's true,' said Mary. "'For when they was both here, "'I always see her run into the window "'to see who was a comin' into the park when he rode out. "'And when he was in the house, "'she never so much as went to peep, "'if there come six horses, one after to other. "'And she was always saying,' mary who's in the parlour mary who's below while he was here but before he come do's a bit did she ask about nobody i like when i meets her says molly mill to tell her mr Mandelbert's here miss or mr mandlebear's there miss deary me one may almost see one's self in her eyes it makes them shine so camilla could endure no more she arose and walked about the room and the maids who had concluded her at dinner hearing her step hurried away to finish their gossiping in the room of mandlebear Camilla now felt wholly sunk. The persecutions of Miss Margland seemed nothing to this blow. They were cruel. She could therefore repine at them. They were unprovoked. She could therefore repel them. But to find her secret feelings thus generally spread and familiarity commented upon from her own unguarded conduct exhausted at once patience, fortitude, and hope, and left her no wish but to quit Cleves while Agar should remain there. Certain, however, that her father would not permit her to return to Etherington alone, a visit to Miss Arlbury was the sole refuge she could suggest, and she determined to solicit his permission to accept immediately the invitation of that lady. End of chapter 3 Recording by Linda Velwest